It's that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Hump Day to you here on 1550 The Sports Buzz. It is a cold winter day, but there's plenty of college basketball to talk about. We're going to recap Louisville's 20-point win over Indiana last night in the Garden. And we're also going to preview Kentucky's game against Columbia, the class of the Ivy League, tonight, 7 o'clock, Rupp Arena. We're going to talk about both those games. We're also going to look a little bit ahead to UNC. And I had some... Uh, people yesterday, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, saying, well, you, you can't start previewing and looking ahead to UNC. you got to take it one game at a time. Let me remind you that I'm in the media. I don't have to take anything one game at a time. If I look ahead to a game that will not impact Kentucky's performance at all against Columbia and I'll be able to uh, talk about whatever whatever game we want to. Columbia game doesn't really strike you as a very sexy matchup tonight. And uh, Carolina is one of Kentucky's biggest rivalries. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Columbia. We'll talk what to look forward to tonight, uh, what Kentucky needs to do to look sharp. But we're also going to talk a little about UNC. And, and again, tomorrow and Friday will be the big UNC days. And we will spend plenty of time talking about Louisville, too, and maybe even talking a little bit about Louisville, Kentucky. And that game's not for a few weeks. So uh, this is this could be the, the look-ahead special today. Uh, as always, joined by Yates. Yates, how are you? Doing well, TJ. How are you? Doing great. I, I know you know what day it is. It's it's Wednesday, which is another Ask Yates Wednesday. You pretty excited? Always. Now, I, I'm going to ask the people listening uh, to, to send in some good questions for Yates. Again, you all don't really know him. I don't really know him uh, that well either. So we, we take Wednesdays to get to know uh, the man behind the mic, Yates, just a little bit better. So, uh, send in your questions, uh, Yates. Let's start with the with the Louisville Indiana game. Uh, Louisville cruises to a twenty point win. I talked about it on the show yesterday. I thought it'd be closer. I also thought it'd be uh, low scoring. Here, here was my thought process. Louisville, a great defensive team. Indiana, a not a great defensive team. Far from it. Uh, but a team that likes to push the tempo, push the pace, and score. Basically, it was, to me, uh, an offensive versus defensive game, and I thought defense was going to win out. It was the exact opposite. Offense won. Louisville was able to get pretty much whatever it wanted, where it wanted. Uh, they they shot the ball well uh, and, of course, had a just seemingly 30 dunks against Indiana, and a lot of, a lot of them pretty easy. Forced 19 Indiana turnovers. Uh, the, and I talked about I thought the game would be closer than the experts were predicting. I know Seth Davis, I think, predicted Indiana to upset Louisville. Uh, so I guess I, I wasn't as bold as he was. But I thought it'd be a you know a seven-point, eight-point game for the majority of the game. And, and I thought Indiana would cover that 12-point spread. I was wrong about that. But, yeah, we can all agree that that 20-point game was a little bit closer than the score indicated there at the end, right? Yeah, a little bit, but... I mean, I think it was a a cover, not a wouldn't have covered the spread other besides the fouls close. I mean, it was probably a I don't know thirteen to fifteen point margin between the two teams. I would say. I, well, without a doubt, Louisville was the better team. 
but, you know, Indiana did make that run to take the lead there in the second half, and uh, Louisville's able to storm back and, and really just pile it on late. Uh, you're right, it wasn't free throws pushed Louisville over the edge. Louisville had a, a comfortable enough lead, and with about four minutes left, the game was... Yeah, you know, I don't really remember exactly when Louisville made their big push, but it was it was under the four minute timeout uh, where I think Louisville's maybe up seven or eight. Indiana missed James Blackman of all people missed consecutive threes. Louisville would go on to score on their end and, and really just start to close the gap, and Indiana started to force more than they were already forcing. Uh, and Louisville had no problem cruising at that point. Terry Rozier looked great last night: twenty six point six rebounds hitting five threes. Chris Jones looked good, 24 points. He hit two threes, uh, nine rebounds for little Chris Jones, a, a tiny little guard able to to out-rebound. The, anybody on Indiana, nobody had nine rebounds for, for the Hoosiers. And the Montrose Harrell was a, was a monster, 21 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, I, I talked about on the show yesterday how it was stupid for Ohio State to zone Louisville because they had big bodies, and I felt that they could match up with the Cardinals. Now, Indiana didn't have big bodies, so I understood why they would have to go to a zone. But, man, I mean, they just – what a terribly, terribly executed zone on all fronts. Uh, they gave up threes, which, again, in a zone, you're gonna that's going to happen. They got absolutely hammered on the board, which if you play a zone, you're more – uh, it's more likely you're going to give up offensive rebounds because you give lanes for the offensive players to to cruise in. And, and Louisville had 26 offensive rebounds. 26. Indiana had a total of 38 rebounds on the game. So uh, that's understandable. But when you play a zone, you don't expect to get dominated inside, and they did. Uh, they got absolutely – Louisville was able to get wherever they wanted on the floor, get whatever shot they wanted throughout the game. Uh, there's, again, several dunks. So the zone, at that point, you should have just abandoned it and played man-to-man knowing that you're going to give up points and you're going to get beat off the dribble by Rogier or Chris Jones. But just make it a little bit tougher and not give up as many wide-open shots. Uh, but reluctantly, they didn't do that. At this point, in this game, Kyle Tucker pointed this out on Twitter. I was thinking, and I didn't tweet it, but he was he, he compared that game last night to the 2012 Kentucky-Indiana game where the tempo was great. It was fun. They weren't calling fouls every two seconds. Teams were getting in rhythms. They, there was runs. There was momentum. It, it was fun to watch. And I was thinking the same thing, and it, it was. But, man, is Tom Crean just not a very stubborn coach thinking that he has the horses to run with the number four team in the country? This is an Indiana team that was not invited to any postseason tournament last year, and he wants to go toe-to-toe and push Louisville just like he wanted to push the 2012 Kentucky team into in a game where, I mean, they just got flat-out beat. They just were the worst team, and Indiana and Tom Green basically say, all right, let's just let's see what team can get up and down better. Let's see what team we'll be able to last longer and we'll, let's see which team doesn't wear out. And that's under, you know, that's understandable. That's the way that 
Rick Pitino wants to play. That's the t- the style that John Calipari would love for teams to play him. And Tom Crean's basically just feeding both of them playing that style. And again, I, I, I don't know if it's being stubborn. I don't know if it's just being blindly optimistic. I don't know what it is, but for him to try to push the pace with Louisville for 40 minutes last night uh, seemed stupid from the get-go. This is a Louisville team that doesn't that hasn't put up a ton of points this season. You know, they scored 45 points against Cleveland State. And it made them look like the best offensive team in the country. And again, the turnovers, you know, inflated the the numbers just a little bit. But Tom Crean has to realize that he doesn't really have all the weapons that he thinks that he has. He's got some good offensive players. I love James Blackman Jr., Yogi Ferrell, great, Uh, not his best game yesterday. Uh, I thought he was pretty good, but not his best game yesterday. But you, you just don't have the bodies. Run DMC text into the show and said, it looked like IU ran out of gas, got tired, and Uval ran away within the last few minutes. Also, Uval's free throw shooting was atrocious. <clears throat> that, IU did run out of gas, and that's in large parts because their coach was trying to push the push the pace for 40 minutes against a team that's deeper, a team that's more experienced, and a team that just has better players. So it wasn't surprising to see them run out of gas, and when they did, man, did the wheels fall off. So I was, uh, I guess I, I wouldn't say I was surprised to see that, but I was, it was laughable. To see Tom Green think that he could keep up that pace and find a way to beat Louisville. And it just it wasn't going to work. But here's the thing I started thinking about last night. And, and I think there's a real chance that Indiana keeps Tom Green. And Brundy MC said that Louisville is atrocious from the free throw line 16 of 27. Uh, they've been pretty bad all year, which is kind of strange for Rick Patino teams. Uh, and a lot of it's coming from the guards. You know, it's understandable if your big guys miss free throws, but Uvo's guards, not not great. So, something to keep an eye on. <laughs> Excuse me, still getting over the cold, feeling better, but uh, still not 100%. But one thing I was, was jumping out to me last night, watching, that Louis, watching the Louisville-Indiana game, uh, there's a, if you ask people around Bloomington, there's a, a good chance that Tom Crean could keep his job, will keep his job. And if he were to do that, and Dick Vitale was just salivating over this Indiana team and how they're good, and, and Rick Bettino said they're a tournament team without a doubt. I don't know if I'd go that far. <coughs> I don't know if I'd say that they're without a doubt going to be an NCAA tournament team. They're gonna they're gonna win some games in the Big Ten, and, and they'll without a doubt lose some games. Maybe win some that they shouldn't, lose some that they shouldn't. Big Ten overall is not that great of a conference. A little bit overrated. Uh, you know who's the best team in the Big Ten? Wisconsin probably. After that, 
Michigan State hasn't looked good this year. Michigan dropped another game, losing to Eastern Washington last night. Lost to Eastern Washington, lost to New Jersey Institute of Technology. That was supposed to be the, uh, without a doubt, the third place team in that conference. And so overall, the conference as a whole isn't great. So I, I you could sneak into the tournament. Um, I, I'm not ready to say it's a guarantee that they will. They've played, in my opinion, probably just one tournament team, maybe two with Eastern Washington, and they lost both those games. I'm, I'm not sold that SMU will make the tournament. I'm not sold that Pittsburgh will make the tournament. Uh, those were their two big wins, but I don't think either are, are as big as they may look on paper. <clears throat> so I'm not ready to say that they're a guarantee in the tournament, but they could. But here's the thing. If they were to keep Tom Crean, I've got a feeling that if they keep him this year, they might be, they might be keeping him for another three three plus years. And here's why. Because I don't think James Blackman will go pro after this year. I, I think there could be some convincing from Tom Crean if he's back to, to stick around and, and talk about how much his game will improve. And also James Blackman isn't, you know, he, he doesn't have the pieces that NBA teams love. Yes, he can shoot, and NBA teams, you know, the, it, shooting is a huge plus for NBA, but he's not a huge guy. He's not physically overwhelming. He's not going to be able to beat guys off the dribble and absorb contact. He's just going to be a spot-up shooter in the NBA. And I don't know if in the draft this year teams are going to reach for a spot-up shooter. So he could be around. Yogi could come back for a senior year. Pieces on this Indiana team that could be back for the following season. You know, Troy Williams will improve. Perea looked good for in stretches last night as a as a big physical big man. So you have some pieces where if they all returned, which you imagine they probably would, because the NBA is not going to be calling for for a lot of these guys then that would probably probably be an Indiana team that would be in the top 25, would make the tournament, would have a chance to make the second weekend. And then what, does Indiana get rid of Tom Crean after next year, after he, he's possibly been to the Sweet 16 again? And then they keep him for a few more years. I, 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 just, I, I was thinking last night that there could be a little window, and I know a lot of IU fans that would love to get rid of him as soon as possible, but I was thinking that there's probably a little window where he he could be around for a few years. And that might not be what some IU fans want to hear. But that could be the case. A lot of young talent there. There are some good guys uh, on that team. It's just they're not there yet. And again, I don't think they're playing the best style. I, I think if they slow it down against Louisville, if they focus in on defense and don't try to get in a uh, you know a sprint, that game's obviously a lot closer. I almost feel like I'm being a bit unfair to Louisville this year. I talked about how if Ohio State didn't zone Louisville, that game could have been a lot closer, and maybe Ohio State pulls out a win in the Yum Center. I'm talking about how if Louisville, if IU would have slowed down that game, maybe that game's a lot closer. I think Louisville's a good team. I, I just think teams are playing to their strengths in a, in a sense. Um, and, and as you have it, though... <laughs> Louisville eight and zero on the season. Uh, they'll have a few more games before the Kentucky game. Uh, all cupcakes shouldn't have too many issues. 
haven't played a true road game just yet, some neutral site games. Uh, they'll play a road game against Western Kentucky. I'm pretty sure that game's in Bowling Green, right, Yates? Yes. <clears throat> Usually they've, they've played that game in Nashville in the past, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, they've played it there at least once. Okay. Uh, I, I know that they did that I, I, one time. I thought maybe it would be more than that. Um, but anyways, that's going to be a true road game. I'm sure that'll be a, a fun environment for Western fans in Bowling Green. That's not a game that they're going to, that Louisville's going to lose, uh, but uh, kind of a smart move for Rick Pitino, who I've criticized in the past for lack of road games before the Kentucky game. I, I think last year, the game in Lexington might've been Louisville's first true road game on the year. Uh, he's not, it's, it's rare that they play a true road game before the Kentucky game, or it's unusual. You don't see it a lot. Um, and the Kentucky game's going to be at home this year, so it doesn't really matter. Louisville's first true road game, besides the the Western game, which I'm sure there'll be plenty of Louisville fans there, not till January 4th against Wake Forest. But I, I think that that will be good uh, for Louisville, just to kind of get a taste of life on the road where everybody's not everybody's cheering for you. And supposedly it was a very pro-IU crowd last night in the Garden. Uh, not too surprising. Uh, IU fans travel relatively well, and uh, Louisville fans have done a lot of traveling already, and they've got the bowl game, and uh, understandable that they didn't make the trip up there in in great numbers. But <clears throat> how about our, our boy Dick Vitale stating that on Twitter that Tom Cre- – I mean, he just, it continues to beat a dead horse, dead horse, dead horse, uh, stating that Tom Crean and John Calipari need to sit down man to man and figure out a way for Kentucky and Indiana Indiana to play each other. Rick Pitino said yesterday that he would like Louisville and Indiana to to break the all-time college basketball attendance record, play in Indianapolis, get 80,000 at Lucas Oil. I know Rick Pitino didn't mean to do this, but that kind of seemed like a, a small troll in my opinion because obviously much has been made about Indiana and, and Kentucky and their scheduling cl- conflicts where Indiana wants it to be home and home. Kentucky wants it to only be neutral. And then Rick Pitino goes out there saying that he only wants the game to be neutral. Did you put any of that two and two together, Yates? No, not really. I thought that was pretty funny. I and mean, maybe it's just because I, as a Kentucky fan, you're very up to date. Uh, and somebody that covers Kentucky, you're very up to date with where that series stands. But Dick Vitale just needs to, and and you know, God love him. He is, I think, great as his, at his job. He's been a great ambassador ambassador for college basketball. Uh, the work he does for cancer research is fantastic. But he just needs to let it go when it comes to Kentucky and Indiana playing each other. Who cares? Kentucky schedule's fine. Indiana fans are happy with their schedule. Everybody's moving on. College basketball does not need Kentucky and Indiana to play each other to survive. <coughs> uh, it, it's, it really has just been three straight years that Dick Vitale has whined and complained about those two teams not playing each other. It's not going to happen. Uh, I, I think in a 
perfect world. It'd be really cool to to have a a neutral side game. And you know, back in the old days, they did. Who was it, Yates? Back when you were you know growing up back in the seventies, was it Louisville, Kentucky, Indiana, and Purdue, or Indiana Notre Dame, where they'd have four of those teams playing each other in the in Freedom Hall or wherever it may be. I I I don't know. I did not grow up in the seventies. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm pretty sure they did something like that, and I'm sure some of the older listeners would know what I'm talking about. But uh, they, they, I think it'd be cool to do something like that again, where you don't necessarily rot. You, you could rotate the schedule, and, and you could have. Well, I don't know if you'd want to rotate it with UK and UVL. I don't know if you'd want to do that on a neutral site for basketball, but you could have, you know, play the games of Lucas Oil and have one year Kentucky play Indiana and then the next year Kentucky play Purdue and then one year have Louisville play Indiana and the next year have Louisville play Purdue and you get four fan bases, two rivalries, you know, maybe three rivalries if Louisville, Indiana's a rivalry, Kentucky, uh, Indiana certainly is a rivalry. I, I think that would be cool, but the fact of the matter is they don't have, Kentucky doesn't have to do that, Louisville doesn't have to do that. Indiana doesn't want to do it, so you know you, you have to assume that they're content with their schedule. And you need to stop blaming this on John Calipari for it not happening. And you need to not blame it on necessarily on Tom Crean. Athletic directors could get involved. But it's just stupid. Who cares? Dick Vitel, who cares? We're going to head to our first commercial break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little more UK. <clears throat> and we're going to talk about their game with Columbia, uh, what UK does needs to do to look sharp. And I need to get some, some tweets and texts that are being sent into the show. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. I tried carrying the weight of the world, but I only had two hands. Hope I get the chance to travel the world. I don't have any plans Wish that I could stay forever this young Not afraid to close my eyes Life's a game made for everyone And love is a prize So wake me up when it's all over Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker back here 1450 the sports buzz uh, it's always a, a good day when you talk indiana and kentucky scheduling conflict or the opposite of that could be a bad day yates you'll be happy to hear that we've got several ask yates wednesday's questions and they're rolling in hot and heavy uh, you excited about that that is exciting so far none of them are very good uh but they're they're rolling in so uh, I'm just kidding for the people that have sent in questions, and there really are already about five of them, uh, uh, which is which is pretty good. <clears throat> uh, great questions. Can't wait to ask Yates and to get some answers. We're just uh, we're one more boring segment away from getting there and uh, finding out some more about Yates. Uh, one one question that was asked for uh, me, which is nice to you know get a question thrown my way every now and then. I'm kidding. Uh, Will texted in the show wondering, he's in a debate with his office, 
which is tougher to win the SEC in basketball or the ACC in football? Uh, Yates, you want to take the first stab at it? I would say the ACC in football for sure. Well, here, and that's that's probably my answer, but here's a few things. One, at, at what program are you talking about? Are you talking about just your generic average program? Because it's pretty tough to be, if you're not Kentucky or Florida, it's it's really, really tough to win the SEC in basketball. So that's one way where it could be the other one, where you've seen Georgia Tech in the ACC championship game. You've seen Duke in the ACC championship game. You've seen some of your, what you might not imagine as powerhouses in the ACC. You've seen those teams compete and win titles. Uh, when, you know, I, I need to pull this information up, but I don't think <coughs> Miami has won the ACC. Could be wrong about that. I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure about Virginia Tech. Those are some teams that you know you would think. Okay, Virginia Tech has, but it's been a while. But really, since you've had the ACC championship game, Miami hasn't been in it. Florida State has won four, four of the ten. So Clemson's won just one. So that's kind of showing that it it doesn't you know it, you don't have to be a powerhouse to win the ACC. But in the SEC, Kentucky has more SEC championships than all other schools combined. So I don't know if it's as cut and dry if you're talking about your average program. I think in your average program in SEC basketball has a much tougher time. Uh, much It would be much more difficult for them to win the SEC versus your average program in ACC football. Now, is it easier for Kentucky basketball to win the SEC or Florida State to win the ACC? In that case, it's a lot harder for Florida State to win. And I think in most arguments, winning the a, a conference in football versus winning a conference in basketball, it's probably going to be tougher for almost, when you're comparing the two, almost any football conference because – you're only playing in eight conference games, there's a chance if you lose one of them, you're out. In the SEC, or in basketball, or any basketball conference, you can lose two, three, four. You can lose a couple games. Now you're playing 18-game seasons, 18-game conference schedules. It's not nearly as difficult. Stove in the G-Chat says that's because your, pro, your average programs in the SEC are terrible. They are terrible. You're right about that. But also, Kentucky is the best college basketball program of all time. Florida's been one of the better programs since 2006. 
So I, I do agree with you that your average SEC basketball program is not very good. Schools in the South, Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss, they don't really care about basketball that much. But you're not going to have your random team win this random team win the SEC when you've got schools like Kentucky and Florida kind of having a monopoly on the conference. In the ACC, now again, it, it's easier for some random teams to, to make a run. Again, Duke has played in a conference championship game. Wake Forest has won the ACC. Boston College has played in two conference championship games. <laughs> so, uh, I don't. I think the answer is it's it's harder to win the ACC in football. But if you're an average team, it may be harder to win the SEC in basketball because you do have two dominant teams that control the conference. So that's my take on that, Will. And then Stove in the G chat says Virginia did it last year over. Duke and UNC in basketball. Well, Virginia was really good in basketball. And now he's saying that Duke and UNC are, are better than UK and Florida as programs. UK and, and Florida have owned their conference more than Duke and UNC have owned theirs in the past decade. And then he goes on to say after that, Basically, you should call in Stove. It would be a lot easier. He says that the rest of the SEC is terrible, where the rest of the ACC is loaded. I disagree that the rest of the ACC is loaded. Uh, there are plenty of bad teams in the ACC. There's plenty of good teams. The ACC is a much better basketball conference. I wouldn't say the rest of the conference is loaded. But Duke or Florida and Kentucky have been more dominant in their conference than Duke. And UNC, in my opinion. Not sure how this has to do with the original argument anyways, but... Whatever. Anyways, let's move on, talk a little bit about Kentucky. In Columbia, the game tonight, again, I'm not expecting much out of Columbia. I do think this could be a lower-scoring game for Kentucky. It could be an ugly game. It might not be the most fun game to watch on TV. Uh, but... You want Kentucky to look sharp. You don't want them to to have to pull away late in this game or look or to struggle uh, against such an inferior opponent. But you do have some concerns that they could be looking ahead to UNC, and that's understandable. But I, I think that that's the goal for Kentucky tonight is just to come out and look sharp. <clears throat> we had just got finished doing the podcast, uh, Cats Illustrated podcast, before doing. Uh, the radio show today, and one of the big topics on it was, will the three-point streak for Kentucky come to an end this year? Surprisingly, Brett Dawson, CatsIllustrated.com, Alex Forkner, CatsIllustrated.com, both those guys have been on the show before. They predicted that the three-point streak that, again, has been going on since 1988 would come to an end this year. And I think that's a really bold prediction. It, it is very, very hard to go 40 minutes without hitting a three. 
Excuse me. And that's part of the reason why I'm coughing a lot more is because I've been basically talking for two hours straight. But that's part of the reason why I think it's really hard for a team to go 40 minutes without hitting a three. And what their argument was was Kentucky has gotten up so big in these games that they don't have to look at threes. They don't have to worry about threes. They don't have to rely on threes. And that's a good point, and that's true. And I think that's part of the reason why you've seen some of the struggles. But again, you, you have Devin Booker, Andrew Harrison, Aaron Harrison, Tyler Eulis, Carl Anthony Towns, Alex Poitras, Trey Lyles. That's seven guys that are getting valuable minutes that can knock down threes. And I don't know if I'm forgetting anybody. Dakari Johnson's not going to knock down threes. Willie Cauley-Stein's not going to knock down threes. <clears throat> so it seems like I am forgetting somebody, but you you, you have guys. Marcus Lee's not going to hit threes. Okay, so there's the 10. So you've got seven guys, seven of the 10 guys that are getting the bulk of the minutes that can knock down outside shots. Now, how many of those seven are great three-point shooters? Zero, in my opinion. So that that's troublesome. But I, I just doubt for, again, 40 minutes. It's a long time to play basketball. And, and UK is going to get up a lot of shots in any of these games. It's a long time to play. I, I don't think you're going to see Kentucky go a, the entire length of a game without hitting three. And, yes, it's, I think it's just a coincidence that you're going back-to-back games, going into the under-four-minute timeout, not hitting a three. But I, I would be willing to, you know, uh, I, I would be willing to make a, a, ra- a fun radio bet with anybody who wants to take it that Kentucky hits a three in every game this year. It's a 26-year a streak. The number one team in the country isn't going to be the one that loses it. A team that has seven guys that can knock down threes isn't going to be the one that loses it. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue. Now, this did bring us to another topic of discussion, and it's been a a topic of discussion on Cats Illustrated, the message board, House of Blue as well. If John Calipari could pick up a player off waiver wires, who would it be? Stanley Johnson or James Blackman? Stanley Johnson of Arizona, who was uh, a recruit that John Calipari went all in for was the only small forward that he was recruiting. Did everything he could to land him. <laughs> hey, woo, need some water. Or James Blackman Jr., uh, another recruit that John Calipari really wanted, came down to Kentucky and Indiana and ended up picking Indiana kind of the last minute despite decommitting from them at, at one point during his recruitment. Now, without a doubt, Stanley Johnson's the better player. But I and Kentucky doesn't have a true three on this team, but I think the better option and, and I I think I'd be on board with the forty no talk if UK had a, a shooter like James Blackman Jr., who's probably the best shooter in college basketball despite struggling last night. If they had a knockdown three point shooter like James Blackman, similar to a guy like Deron Lamb, all he'd have to do is just hang out on the perimeter do a little bit of nothing, catch and shoot when the ball came to him. Wouldn't even have to be a good defender.
So I think that would be the option. I think Stanley Johnson may be the better option if UK was in a close game and it, you needed a guy to take over a game. I, I, we still don't know if UK has a guy that can take over a game if push comes to shove because no team has been that close yet. But Stanley Johnson, without a doubt, would be that guy. But I don't know if you ha- would have any close games uh, if you had a shooter like James Blackman Jr. If you have him, Kentucky is a extremely, extremely tough team to guard. Zones wouldn't work. So that would be my choice. We're going to head to our last commercial break. Come back. It's Ask Yates Wednesdays. We've got several questions already. Make sure you send your question in. We get to find out a little bit more about DJ Yates. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Post. You're listening to The Sports Talker with TJ Walker. On 1450, the Sports Buzz. We're back here. One final segment, 1450, the Sports Buzz. You guys should hear me during the commercial breaks. I sound like an animal dying. I, Despite coughing a few times on the air, and I do apologize again, I, I for the most part, I tried to hold it back, and then it's just the floodgates open during the commercial break, and uh, it is not a pretty sound. But anyways, now, luckily, I don't have to do as much of the talking as it is Ask Gates Wednesday. And we've got several good questions. Yates, you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's get started. First question comes from Stove in the G-Chat. And he wants to know, Yates, what was it like growing up with no internet, cell phones, colored TVs back in the 70s? I have spent exactly zero seconds of my life in the 70s, so I couldn't tell you. I can't tell you what it was like to live without internet and cell phones in the 80s. All right, well, let's hear that. Um, Well, it was, I don't know, I was a kid, so I guess I didn't really care. And, and it, you know, not having ever been with those things, it's hard to describe what it was like to be without them. I don't know, played outside a lot more, I guess. Didn't spend as much time in front of screens as we all probably do now. And you can never get, you it, like, I mean, calling people was different, I suppose. I mean, I was, like, seven when the 80s ended. So, <laughs> uh, but, I mean, like, it's weird now how you can get a hold of everybody anytime you want, pretty much, but you couldn't then. So, there you go. That's what yeah. it was like. Uh, a few questions I'm going to add on to Stove's question. And, and Stove, as always, appreciate you. Uh, contributing to Ask H Wednesday. When you were in college on your nice little scholarship to U of L, did you? I'm assuming that you had a landline in your dorm. If you if you stayed in a dorm, and also I guess most of your papers, did you have to handwrite? <laughs> no, uh, I did not stay in the dorms. I lived at home through college. Uh, I did have a landline at my dad's house where I lived and we had a computer. So I was able to type up my papers. The internet existed when I was in college so I could look things up on the internet. 
When when were you in college? Uh, 2001 through 2005 okay. was when I did my undergraduate work. I was thinking you were in college in the late 80s, so never mind. Uh, I, I can see where that, that question gets thrown out. All right, this question comes from ClayB116. He, he wants to ask Yates, what, what's your opinion on Jay Billis? Uh, I like Jay Billis. I think he's a, a great analyst. I think he has some good <laughs> opinions and insight onto, or into the state of college athletics. I know you disagree with him a lot because he's an advocate of paying athletes, but I, th- I think he's uh, very intelligent, and I like when I liked listening to him when, during the games that he calls. Uh, it, it's not just that he is obnoxious about play, paying players, which I, I would love to know how he feels about <clears throat> UAB's program shutting down, although I know he'd probably say that the NCAA needs to step in and, and give them money uh, and this and that, so I really don't want to hear what he has to say about that. But I guess that's probably what started it with me and Jay Billis and I think he's probably a, a fine guy. Everybody that's ever met him has not had doesn't have a bad thing to say about him. But whether it's social media and now it's just on ESPN, have you ever heard him say he's unsure about something? Have you ever heard him say that he's wrong about something? It just seems like Jay Billis has the answers for everything. And he he's never been wrong. He knows everything that a, a coach needs to do, everything a player needs to do. And basically, and everything that the NCAA needs to do, it comes down to Jay Billis is basically just your big know-it-all, and I find that incredibly obnoxious. He's not always right. You have to admit when you're wrong. You don't have the answers to everything. That not buggy at all, Yates. Uh, I mean, that type of person does bug me, but I can't say that I've ever felt that way about Jay Billis. Hmm. Interesting. It's just it, it, just listen to him yesterday during the during the the game the the one before Louisville Illinois Villanova. It just it's it can be a little too much at time. And and Clay B one sixteen says that he's never even heard him say anything positive about anything. And, and he is overly negative about a lot of stuff, but. Uh, it's just it it gets to be extremely obnoxious. <clears throat> All right, this question comes in from Brun DMC. He he wants to ask Yates, what job would you want to be doing if you weren't the fast paced life of radio broadcasting? Um, that's a good question. I guess I don't know. I I guess I would maybe want to be like like we're talking about like a normal job or if I could have like any job in the world let's go ahead and do both I don't know if I if I were to do a normal job I don't even know I don't know maybe like a teacher or something like I think that would be uh, a fun job to have mm-hmm. and if uh, I could do anything in the world I don't know maybe be a musician or something well, that would be fun. Uh, I, I thought about switching my major after my so- sophomore year and going into education to be a teacher. So we're similar. We're on similar pages there, Yates. 
<laughs> I'm just struggling to get through the end of this. We're going to make it, I promise. Uh, Brundy MD also wants to know what your favorite flavor and brand of ice cream is. Uh, brand, I don't know if I have a favorite brand. My favorite flavor would be mint chocolate chip. I'll, and I, if you if I have to give a brand, I'll say Comfy Cow. Their mint chocolate chip is really good. <coughs> Comfy Cow also, this, this is big. They also have uh, popsicles and ice cream for dogs, which is pretty exciting. Uh, all right, this one comes in from Trevor. You know your old friend Trevor Yates. Trevor, Trevor shouldn't be allowed to submit questions to Ask Yates Wednesday because he, I see Trevor every day. Well, he, they, as you said, sometimes you don't answer questions for him, and, and he has to wait till the Ask Yates Wednesday segment to get him in. Trevor's just mad because I'm ignoring him. Well, anyways, you gotta you gotta respect the game, Yates. <laughs> he and this is not a bad question at all. He wants to know what's the worst movie you've ever watched. And that's a pretty tough question to answer on the spot. I I had a feeling he was going to submit that question to Ask Yates <laughs> Wednesday because we had a discussion about movies yesterday. I. If anybody ever listens to the show with him, he is a pretty well-known hater. He hates basically everything. <laughs> so we were having a discussion yesterday, and I was explaining that one of the biggest reasons why you can tell he's a hater is because there are a couple of movies that are pretty popular movies that a lot of people agree are good. One of One is The Godfather. He doesn't like The Godfather. The other was that I mentioned was The Dark Knight. He he does not like The Dark Knight. He thinks all the Christian Bale movies are terrible. He thinks Heath Ledger was a terrible Joker. What? So, so I brought that exactly. So that that was what I brought up. And he he countered with he would rather hate things as he does than be like me and say that any movie I've ever seen is good. So he he wanted me to name movies that I didn't like and I I refused. But for <laughs> sa- for sake for sake of the segment, I'll I'll say Rocky Five is just an atrocious movie. <laughs> How could Trevor hate The Dark Knight? Because Trevor's a hater. He hates everything. That was... Trevor's like the Grinch before his heart grew three sizes. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's unbelievable. I, I have not met one person that hated The Dark Knight. I don't know how you could. Uh, just an unbelievable movie. Exactly my point. So Rocky Five is yes, your... it's terrible. Awful. The movie, the worst movie you've ever watched. I haven't seen Rocky Five, so I don't. Don't know. watch it. <clears throat> if you say so, I won't. I, I will say this, I, and this is—I would have to think about this for my worst movie ever watched. But I've never really ever wanted to walk out of a movie theater during a movie. You pay ten bucks or however much you pay. I'm gonna sit and watch the movie, even if it's bad. You know, it's two hours tops or two hours and thirty minutes tops. But. And I had some laughs during Dumb and Dumber, but it was just such a stupid concept. And for whatever reason, I was tired or not feeling well or whatever it was that I was really, really close to leaving that movie. Dumb and Dumb, the second one, Dumb and Dumber 2. I love the first one. I think it's hilarious. Uh, a great movie. But the second one, I was so close to walking out of. And I'm glad I didn't because it got a little bit better at the end. <clears throat> but that is overall not a, not a very good movie. Uh, so that would be mine. Um, <clears throat> we have one or two more. Not sure if we have time for them. Maybe I'll save them for next week. Uh, Kentucky, Columbia tonight. Kentucky's going to get the win. Columbia's going to try to slow down the pace. 
It is, uh, I don't know if I've seen the line out on it. I've got it here. Kentucky giving 26 points. Honestly, I think I'd take the under, but who knows? Uh, I think Kentucky could say, there's the last cough of the show, I promise. Mainly because the show's about to end and I need to go find some cough drops. But uh, I think Kentucky gets a 66 to 44 win. So that's about 22 points. So I, I think Columbia covers that. But we'll, again, we'll have to wait and see. I, I was off yesterday. So uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about that. Start previewing UK, UNC. Uh, in full, talk about that rivalry, some of the tough moments in the rivalry. So stick around for tomorrow's show, 3 o'clock, 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll see you then. They say welcome to the 502. Take a Jordan boy, show them how Kentucky do. Oprah Priest Classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget 270, be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to BG in my zone. Let me hear you say hi.